When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, we're back for another podcast. Boxhead, how you doing? Good, how you going? Yeah, not too bad. Obviously, uh, we talked about this one last week. We talked about it on the show this week as well that we're going to do our personal uh, best 17 of all time before again, as some people do, kick up a stink. It's not based on 100-plus years of rugby league. It's not based on players we haven't seen. It's based on more so our lifetime and who we've seen. So Brock was born 86. I was born 90, but this is more so players that we've seen uh, seen from the point of when you can kind of remember. So for me, like real fledgling memories or memories that would stick solid are probably from 97, 98 onwards, so when I was seven or eight years old. Um, so my team's more so based from that period up until present day. Yeah. And yeah, mine's from 91. My, my earliest... Football memories, um, 1991. So I've gone from I've gone from there. And yeah, I think I explained on the normal show when I originally did a team and I looked at your team. I just wanted to compare, and then I kind of looked at it and thought, well, I've probably got a couple of guys in there more so on what I've watched now, which is a lot of old games, a lot of classic games. So to take that out of uh, vain, this is more like players you you loved or players that changed the way the game was played or brought you in further in particular, some of these guys more in your formative years. So when you really started to play rep programs or good levels of footy at school or first division, uh, teenage years, all that kind of stuff. But uh, there's still a few guys that probably didn't play uh, for a lot longer after that period because they would, you know, they would just, they stood out so much. But mine's probably going to have a few more modern day players. I wouldn't say modern day players, but a few fresher faces. But uh, yeah. We're going to put this up for everybody as well. This is obviously one for everybody to get on board on. Could be more club bias. Could be best players you've seen in positions. Could be people that are the reason you played football or just love the game in general. But first up, uh, fullback Brock. I think this one is going to be pretty much unanimous. <coughs> yeah, Billy Slater by a mile. Yeah. Absolute country mile. Uh, I think the only real player that I could make a comparison with his Darren Lockyer, but Darren Lockyer obviously moved positions and uh, ended up being a world-class 5'8". But um, Billy Slater, he's the greatest fullback I've ever seen. My, my earliest memories of fullbacks, you know, I can remember uh, Gary Belcher uh, in those Canberra days. Um, you know, Tim Brasher, those, those sort of guys who um, I guess were the origin players in the, in the 90s, but what Billy Slater did to that position um, and to his credit I don't think anyone, even James Tedesco I don't think has yet reached the heights that um, Billy Slater set throughout his career so yeah, you know, pretty unanimous number one uh, fullback Billy Slater Yep, I'm not going to argue uh, other players I enjoyed in that position though obviously modern day watching Tuovasashek and Tedesco they've both been really really good to watch but I think kind of those teenage years or those formative years like you talk about when you're really getting in your footy and you start playing your reps like Minicello for a while there 
was just a great runner of the football. Uh, obviously, didn't have the skill set of say Billy Slater, Lockyer, like you said at the back end as well. Mate, in in um, 03 and 04, Anthony Minicello was unbelievable. I tell you the one, but he just he had a he had a knack, Anthony Minicello, of just dropping the fucking ball yeah. off a kick, dropping a bomb, or dropping a grubber. Um, that was his real weakness. He, he just did everything in 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, he was a great player, a, a fantastic player. But, um, yeah, he just had that odd error in his game, real simple error as well. I think we saw, obviously, the, the, the two great runs of Jared Hayne as well and what he was capable of. We didn't see it for a long enough period of time. Uh, two that, for me, that I definitely couldn't leave out, but I had to throw in there just to appreciate how good they were to watch on their day. Brett Stewart if uninterrupted, had a great run. And Matt Bowen. Matt Bowen was incredible to watch. Yeah, Bowen. Um, and again, this is more in my sort of wheelhouse or years, so it's, it's more recent sort of players. But there's a couple of guys there that were really great to watch. But Billy Slater, it's not, like you said, the Melbourne Storm thing is one thing and appreciating what he's done. Uh, for me personally, from a joy perspective and to watch, but there's not one thing he couldn't do. He came in as this rough, raw, fast kid who was a little bit error-prone and could just run fast, and by the end of his career, he was everywhere. He was always around the ball. He was a ball player. He was a try scorer. He was a great support player. And then watching him live, as we said the last few years, he was one of the best players to watch live because you've never seen someone talk as much or be just on the ball or always in the right place and probably the most aggressive fullback I'd say on kick return as far as tracking the ball down and not letting it find grass yeah, he's he covered the most metres hardest working uh, and just involvement um, impact hands down easy yeah 300 plus game as we know couple of premierships all the bells and whistles the rep football absolute gun uh, moving on from that one who's your first winger are we going to go wingers as a pair or are we just going to go one at a time? Oh, we can do them as a pair. Uh, I had Greg Inglis and uh, Jared Hayne. Yep. I was torn on one. Who did you have? I, Greg, Greg Inglis. Look, I think I could have had Inglis at one. I could have had him at six. could have had him at three. But he came into grade on the wing. He was fantastic on the wing. Uh, he's an absolute beast. Uh, uh you know, he's had his issues, off-field issues, on-field issues, but when he was on and there was some periods of time there and some seasons there where he was just by far and away the best player in the game. Um, and to be fair, there was a point in time there where a lot of people argued that he should be playing fullback over Billy Slater in the Queensland Origin team. That's how good his form was at one point in time. Uh, I guess the, the only real gripe on, on Inglis was malign through uh, up and down form and um, he, he did have some issues with injury Jared Hayne I've got in there I just think particularly at state of origin and international level for Australia and New South Wales he won multiple man of the match awards on the wing those two runs he had he won two Dalian medals uh, just the brilliance of a guy um, again you could say the same things about Jared that you could, it was said about Inglis he, he was maligned and had up up and down um, patches of form, but it's you cannot argue that he was just the most explosive, damaging ball runner for a period of time there in the early uh, 2010s, um, and he won two Dalian Daly, medals, as I said. The one I really struggled to leave out was Wendell Saylor, because uh, I can remember Wendell at the, at the Broncos, and he just, he was so damaging and 
so tough. Um, so it was hard to leave Wendell out. Yeah. And uh, again, originally my back line looked different until I brought in that kind of time restriction. So with that being the case, more 98 onwards. The first one I had, Jared Hayne as well. Say what you want about him. Again, some of the stuff we saw him do at a rep level, in particular for New South Wales in the wing, was absolutely incredible. Um, his first year, or I think maybe only first season at Parramatta, he was also on the wing. And he was a gun there. Sure, fullback was his best spot, and he could have played multiple other positions, but in particular in the rep arena, uh, he was a freak. That trial will never be forgotten. The grub off for New South Wales running out and getting back in field. Um, good yardage carry in the early days as well when he wanted to, but all around. A hell of a talent. The other one, at the start, I cheated. And I stuck Roger to a check in again just because I really, really do like Roger. And then I, reminded, I was sitting there going, there's got to be someone that I've just forgotten about. And then I come up with one that I definitely did forget about. And a lot of people will be maligned by this pick, but it's more just he was far out. He was fun to watch because you never knew what you were going to get. But I've put Manu Vatuvai on the other wing. Big Manu, uh, he played two... What I will say about Jared Hayne, like I um, played a little bit against him, played with him for a short period of time. Um, he was two or three years younger than me, but came into the Jersey Fleet system out of Harold Matthews, would you believe it? Um, totally skipped SG ball. And he, he played fullback, centre, wing, 5'8". So he could cover multiple positions coming through. And, you know, that, that's what happens to those players that are just outstanding in the junior grades, they just put them wherever they really need to be um, or probably where the coach needs to plug a hole. I mean, he just, yeah, he was he was unbelievable coming through the grades. Yeah, 100%. And when you watch him play, uh, again, those few years, the form was as good as anybody in the competition. It's just a shame that we didn't get to see it over a more consistent period of time. Yeah, because... on, um, on Manu's Adelaide, like, he was... He was the modern-day Wendell Saylor, really. He sort of took the baton from Wendell in terms of just being a damaging ball runner. Uh, and it, it, how many tries did you just see him get the ball one-on-one with the winger and just run straight over him and score? Well, I think, as we said before, that there was some rough times, but my goal when he was on, he was on. Uh, he scored 152 tries and 226 appearances for the Warriors, so he's basically scoring three out of four games. Uh there was not only, just like you said, the one-on-one contest, but you could throw him the ball with nothing doing, and he'd cut back in and drag two or three over. He just had a way to find the trial, and on top of that, as you said, you had Wendell, Lottie, and then for a little bit there, the winger still kind of stayed, you know, your typical small guy who could finish or be fast, but I think he was one of the first ones after a little bit of a lull period maybe there, where they brought in that big physical winger, and that was the mould moving forward, and Manu certainly was that for a decade plus. He was physical in yardage. Yeah, he had some absolute Barry Crocker games where he'd drop a couple of balls and be useless, but he'd have other games where he was just nothing but destructive. I, um, 2007, I reckon it was. Manu's out of light. It was a Monday night game. I was there. It was Parramatta Stadium. He dropped three and or four, didn't he? Mate, he had one of the worst games you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, five and clear as a coach, I think. I think they, they got flogged. I think it might have been 30-6 or 36-6, something like that. But he, um, I'm pretty sure he got dropped after that game. Um, and it was, it was just unbelievable watching. It was so, so bad. Poor old Manu. Um, he was looking for a, for a hole to hide in. Yeah. Well, like I said, that one was more picked off uh, just enjoyment of watching him, the rocks and diamonds. But there's no doubt that on his best form, he was on his best day, he was one of the best wingers in the world. But 
Yeah. Um, some other ones to mention, probably more so again, modern time for me. Brett Morris, who's still playing. He's had a hell of a career. He's been Mr. Consistent again. Probably not as physical as some of those guys, but he's that big body. He does his work. He can finish. Uh, Semirad Raros came and gone, but in 90-something games, he scored 84 tries. Aku Uate was the one before him. We've had a swag of Fijians, more so in my lifetime. Um, I remember little bits of Lottie and Dell, like you said, they were very destructive. But just out of those few modern guys, they're probably ones I remember. Um, it, it's hard not to remember some of those bigger body guys that didn't even last long. I remember, do you remember Tuiaki for the Tigers? Yeah. Like, it's not an all time yeah, player, but it's just one of those. Really bad ankle injury. Yeah, and he couldn't play anymore. But he was um, unbelievable. He's just another one of those guys that popped in my head when I was thinking about players that I remember from a position. And you can go back. When well, you think about, I can remember. Um, I can go back and talk about guys like Andrew Eddinghausen. I can remember Andrew Eddinghausen playing. Mm. You probably can't remember back that far, but he was uh, just lightning fast, absolutely lightning fast. Mm. Um, Steve Renoff, he was more a centre, but Brett Mullins. You know, I think he played. He played a little bit on the on the wing, and he was just lightning. Mm. So. Uh, we, we've been blessed with a lot of great wingers, that's for sure. Yeah, and I watched... Someone, even someone like Jason Nottingale. I had him written down. Unbelievably consistent. Consistent, uh, not the biggest, but did the dirty work. I remember a few of the older players, like you said, from the older origins I've watched. So I had Brett Mullins here. I know he played fullback, but he also played some wing. Matt mm. Singh was a good player. Yeah, uh, great player. And then a personal favourite, obviously, from the early days in the Melbourne Storm, Marcus Bye. Papua New Guinea we, special. You go back to um, even someone like Noah Nandruku at the, at the Raiders. Yep. Unbelievable. And I was coached by Kenny Nagus when I was down there as well. He was a good player. Yeah, Nagus. They, at one point in time, they had Nagus and Nandruku. They were their two wingers. Yeah. So there's a few, like I said, modern day and a few older style ones. But, yeah, I think more, if you were going to say on consistency basis, I probably wouldn't want to pick Manu. But if you want to pick his best day against just about any winger in the past decade or so, uh, I think he'd be right up there. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, centers who you got? I've got Mel Meninga and Laurie Daly, the Canberra Raiders pair uh, of the nineties. I, I have yet to see since them a center pairing. Uh, not not so much a pairing, but I haven't seen centers as good as those two. The Raiders won the eighty nine uh, premiership, won the nineteen ninety premiership, uh, went very very close to winning the nineteen ninety. One premiership against the Panthers, obviously, and then won another one in 94. Mel Meninga, he was the first player I can remember just thinking, oh, my God, whenever he got the ball. Uh, he was damaging. He, he, he just sit up as soon as he got the footy. Uh, he was just physically dominant. And he, he was one of those guys, he just he looked like he was a um, 10-year-old playing in the under-sixes. He just looked so much bigger than the players he was playing against. And... Um, yeah, just you know, I think he's he's the greatest centre of all time, Melbourne Ingo, no doubt in my mind. Uh, and Laurie Daly, look, I could have played, I could have put Laurie anywhere. Laurie. Uh, I could have put him at five eight. He also played a little bit of lock, but he started his career as a centre. I remember uh, a lot of his early footy in those dominant Raiders sides from you know eighty nine to ninety one. He was in the centres and he he just played some fantastic footy. So skillful. Uh, played with injury. I think that's probably an underrated uh, quality of Laurie Daly. And then as he as he got a little bit slower at the back end of his career, he transitioned into the halves. Um, but it's just a tremendous player. And th- they were just two 
absolute stalwarts of that um, Canberra Raiders period of dominance. Yeah, well, originally, that's the centre pairing I had, but then, like I said, yeah, to make it probably a little less boring and a bit realistic, most of the football of Mel Meningro I watched was after the fact, 94, only being three or four years old. You know, it's, it's more what I've seen afterwards, and I'd clearly agree with you. After what I've seen now, the only person I've seen who's more physically damaging probably playing in the centres is Greg Inglis. So with that, Greg Inglis is one of my centres, but after I brought in that time restriction, I took out Laurie Daly and I took out Melvin Inga, definitely not on ability, and I had a coin toss between, in my lifetime, Justin Hodges and Jamie Lyon. I think Jamie Lyon probably ticked more boxes from a skill point of view and, and an all-around centre, but I went with Justin Hodges. Um, he was injury-prone, but he had a hell of a career. I think for what you look for, especially in the modern day, as far as yardage work, you couldn't go past him. And one thing I liked about him compared to a lot of centres that we talk about now in frustration, Greg Inglis would frustrate you because you knew what he could do, but sometimes he just waited for the game to find him, whereas Justin Hodges, to me, in particular in Origin games, he was never out of the game. If he wasn't getting the ball, he'd have 15, 20 scoots. He was always physical. Uh, he was a good finisher as well. He probably had more of the most under 10 tries I've seen scored from like a dummy half position inside 10 or... You know, things along that line, and obviously plenty of niggle and aggression, but um, between him and Jamie Lyon, like I said, it, you could flip a coin. Lyon, like I said, probably more of a silky player, but Justin Hodges just had mongrel, and again, he, he kept coming back after injuries, and he just kept playing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only two I think you could even throw into the, the debate would be Mark Gaznier, uh, Matt Gidley, potentially. Matt, Matt Cooper. Cooper, yeah, Cooper's a good player. I think Matt Cooper's highly underrated compared to Gaznier. Gaznier, sure, probably saw more of the good ball, a bit flashy in attack. Matt Cooper saves some tries that just incredible. Uh, yeah, no, I think Gaznier had some really good, really good periods as well. I'm going to throw in an, a guy who I don't think gets enough credit, and it's it's more on the other side of the football because he's a guy to me that he, again, you want to talk about playing injured, he was constantly injured, but he was just there forever. Steve Maddow. Yeah. Steve Maddai, if I was playing... Could go down injured, but Steve Maddai... Oh, I'll tell you what, though. There's a good reason the way he hit you. Mm. But I think uh, probably, again, more modern day. Will Chambers had a good career, but I, I wouldn't put him in that echelon. Jennings, obviously, for a while there was an absolute spark plug. Uh, you know, you mentioned Matt Gidley. He played all the way up to 05, 06. I remember a bit of Girdler. He was pretty silky, but um, compared to those probably two that I brought up, the only guy probably close that I was considering was Lyon, but I've gone with Hodges and Inglis. Inglis, self-explanatory. I saw him as a 17-year-old and heard all the buzz about him playing, watched him play Queensland Cup at fullback, comes into grade, first year where Melbourne's supposed to get the spoon. Uh, they make the grand final, plays reps on the wing, moves to centre, moves to 5'8", plays fullback. On his day, just, wow, absolute sensational. The, the frustrating thing, like we said, though, is just, you wanted to see more of it, or you wanted to see him find the game a bit more, but some of the tries he scored, some of the things he did on the football field, he is a once-in-a-lifetime talent, and again, if I was going to compare anyone even close to Mel Meningo, it'd be G.I. Yeah. So, centres, wingers, full-back done. Uh, what about your 5'8"? Jonathan Thurston. I think he's uh, as close to that immortal echelon I think you, you now I'd, I'd stick Johns and Cameron Smith almost neck and neck uh, and Jonathan Thurston would be in the same tier for me 
the things he did uh, as a player were just unbelievable. Um, whether it was for, for Queensland, for Australia, for the Cowboys, uh, even even as far back as the Bulldogs when he first came into grade. Um, for his size, he, he's not the biggest human in the world. He had shoulder issues. Uh, but just his ability as a player to just carry his team. Uh, and he didn't always play in great teams. Uh, you know, he, he came into grade and played in that fantastic Bulldogs team, moved to the Cowboys and, and put him on, on his back and got him to a grand final in their first year. But after that, they sort of struggled um, up until... I guess the early um, 2010s when they, they probably missed out on a few opportunities to make grand finals and win premierships, but he finally uh, got them to the to the promised land, um, you know, with their premiership, maiden premiership, kicked the field goal. Uh, and it just, he was really, him and Cameron Smith were just the thorn in our side when it came to those that period of dominance in state of origin. Um, a lot of the time watching Jonathan Thurston, I wanted him to be killed. Uh, but you just respected the guy. He was unbelievable. I think he probably inflicted more pain on New South Welshmen than what uh, Jonathan's did on Queenslanders because uh, he just did it for a longer period of time. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. Uh... And, and to me, I, 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 there's no one that even comes close to Jonathan Thurston as a 5'8". Uh, and, and I'd throw Darren Lockyer in that conversation. I'd throw Brad Fittler in that conversation. I don't think either of them come anywhere near Jonathan Thurston. Yep. Well, I've gone a different route, uh, probably more for his whole career and similar things to what you said, but I went for Darren Lockyer. Um, I know... Over Thurston? Yep. Wow. Darren Lockyer, to me, is basically everything you just said, but I just associate Lockyer with winning. The the time I watched Lockyer play for Australia, Queensland, all the bits and pieces, if there was a moment that was to be had in a big game, Darren Lockyer was the man to be there. Um, yeah, he didn't play his whole career in the halves, but that's the other thing. There's a reason why I couldn't put him at fullback. He's split between two of the best players ever, in Billy Slater and Jonathan Thurston, in two different positions, but he also won a golden boot in two different positions. He was the best player in two different positions, and... Like the definition of a winner, it's Darren Lockyer. Darren Lockyer was always there for the big moments. He was a great in both positions. His career just at rep level, club level, I just associate Darren Lockyer with success. And he's one of the most skillful, quiet and humble players, I think, uh, of a generation. I think that's another reason, you know, he's kind of been forgotten somewhat. I know he's on the TV, but unlike the others that are probably a bit more jokey and up front and having a laugh and all that, I honestly think he's almost just been wiped in all discussions about being a possible immortal or one of the better players that we've seen. No, I, I agree. He's, he's got to go close to being an immortal. I'd, like, I don't understand how... No, I'd, throw, I'd throw Lockyer in the same sort of conversation as Fittler. I, Daily, I, that sort of... But that's my argument um, again. Like, I don't think Fittler was ever as good as Darren Lockyer. I really yeah, don't. Yeah, well, you didn't, see, you didn't see early Fittler either. So you probably saw all of... or the majority of Lockyer, but not all of Fittler, so... Uh, for me, they're, they're very similar in, in even the way that their careers changed positionally mm. uh, and, and, the, and the way that they had to sort of, I guess, take on leadership roles, etc., origin and uh, club level uh, and managed to... Well, Lockyer didn't manage to win a premiership um, late in his career, whereas Fittler sort of did. But, um, yeah, both, both very, very similar careers in, in, in my eyes. Yeah, well... Uh, halfback. Again, I think 
the big thing for me, and I, get, I don't know if people hold it against him, but I think if he plays his career in one of those positions, he has a more dominant argument. But the fact that he was a golden... No, I, 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 don't, I don't agree with that. I think it actually strengthens his case. So, I, I, think, I think the fact that he played international football at both fullback and 5'8", he actually strengthens his case. I'm pretty sure, off the top of my head, he's still also the most capped, or was up until recently. No, I, think, I think Smith got it. Smith may have taken, I think, his Queensland and his Australian record, but, yeah, he was 59. Yeah, it's not a, not a bad bloke to pass the baton to. Yeah, 59 caps for Australia, 36 for Queensland, 300-plus, obviously, for the Broncos, played from 95 to 2011, uh, and, yeah, multiple, premier, multiple premierships, but... Super impressive to transition uh, from one position to another and be the best in the world in two different positions over such a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, halfback, I'm pretty sure this one, again, like fullback, is going to be unanimous. Andrew Johns. Yeah, easy. Best player of all time. Yeah. Uh, obviously, well, before we move off 5'8", any other 5'8s? Well, I've obviously got Thurston. Um, some of those guys you mentioned, I saw the back end of Fitler, saw some good stuff. I've watched some old footage now. Again, I didn't consider these guys, but I've seen old Wally Lewis, old Daly, very, very good players. Modern day, for me, probably more so Benji Marshall was the one in my formative years or the rep years that really changed it. Maloney, later on, Foran in his early days was outstanding. Uh, you know, some of the old guys, though, when you watch some of those classic games, I'll tell you who's fun to watch in some of the classic games. And again, not in the forefront of my memory, but Cliffy Lyons. <laughs> Cliff Lyons, I can't believe he left Cliff Lyons out of that. I, w- I wouldn't throw um, Maloney or any of them anywhere near Cliff Lyons. No, but Cliff I'm Lyons talking... Was own, uh, an absolute superstar. He, he, he might be the greatest ball player ever, mm. Cliff Lyons. He, he could create something out of nothing. Uh, he was, again, a, a pivotal player. He took uh, Manly to three consecutive grand finals. They only won one, but he was a pivotal player in that run. Uh, they were one play away from winning back-to-back when Darren Albert uh, scored that try. Um, yeah, absolutely outstanding. I think Kevin Walters is one that gets left out. He's um, super talented. Yeah, six premierships. Um, Again, these are guys uh, that I didn't see a lot of, so I'm bringing it up yeah, after I the fact. I'd even throw in someone like a, a Scott Hill. He's not not obviously near all-time greatest. but No, I've got him here. He, he, was, he, was, a, he was a good player, Scott Hill. One I watched at Melbourne, and the other one again on watching older games now after the fact. Uh, I can understand why a lot of people had raps on Brett Kenny. Yeah, so I haven't seen a lot of Brett Kenny. I don't. I, I can't watch eighties games. I really struggle with them. Yeah, again, I've seen a little bit of Clivey Lines, but it's more those classic games again. They're not stuff I remember in the forefront of my mind. Uh, the other one probably is Terry Lamb. Fuck, he could find a try. Yeah, yeah, good player, Terry Lamb. Again, a lot of those older games, but that's just appreciate a few of those guys. Halfbacks. Yeah, if you're going to go back to the 80s, you can't not mention Wally Lewis. I already said Wally at the so, start. Oh, uh, did you? Sorry. But these uh, are all more guys I've appreciated after the fact, but as far as from, like I said, the time period I'm working on onwards. But again, like, I, I can't really remember watching Wally play. So, nah. yeah, I hear a lot about how good he, good he was. But, yeah, I never never got to experience it watching it live, or and I haven't watched enough in terms of old games to really... No, they're just mentioned. Really, no. That's all. Uh, halfback, again, obviously it was going to be unanimous about Andrew Johns. There's nothing Johns couldn't do, plain and simple. Um, for a period there... Well, it, particularly when you can compare the players that he just leaves for dead. You know, Greg Alexander, Ricky Stewart, Alan Langer, uh, those, you know, they were probably the dominant guys in the 
um, in the 90s and then you throw in Brett Kamali and um, who actually started ahead of um, Joey for a little period of time there in the New South Wales side um, but you know you, you, just, you just think like he's clearly better than all of them and you know I, I certainly wouldn't you wouldn't be upset having any of them starting in the seventh for you no 100% and I had similar names you've got there the other one again seeing the back end of Stacey Jones's career Oh, um, great Scotty Prince's time at the Tigers and his first few years at the Titans, I really appreciated. Matt Orford from Melbourne to Manly was a good Prince player. Was just, Prince could just never stay on the field consistently. And he he's a man, if, when you see him in the flesh, yeah, you he's get an tiny. understanding of how small he is. Yeah. He was, he's tiny. He's, he's my favourite ever Titan, Scott Prince. Like, Oh, the things he did and the way he carried the Titans in, the, in those early years was nothing short of unbelievable and his combination with Benji Marshall was just unreal like if you can go back and watch that final series watch watch the, the oh. games that the Tigers played in that final series just watch 05 Tigers 05 Tigers awesome yeah but the, the Tigers in 05 a lot of people forget that I reckon they were about 13th or 14th on the ladder after 16 rounds they looked dead and gone and then they just went on a run. Uh, ended up, I think they finished fourth that year on the on the table, and well, then won. From, they beat the Cowboys fourth. first week, and then they rolled. It was the Dragons who they weren't supposed to beat. I think to make the grand final. Yeah, they rolled the Dragons. That's right. They, they rolled the Dragons in the preliminary. And then they and beat then the they Cowboys again. The Cowboys again in the grand final. I'm not sure whether they played in that second week of the final. Someone Google now. Have a look. I think um, I can't remember. Their combination was just unbelievable. But there was a lot of guys that emerged from that team. Obviously, Heinington, LaFranchi. There's a lot of guys that were probably unsung that went on to have good careers and play a lot more football, play rep football, win a couple of premierships. Yeah, early doors of Robbie. Robbie! A couple of the old heads. O'Neill, Todd Payton, Scandalis was still there. Paul Fatawira had one of the better years. Elford, they, that's yeah, really... In the, in the second week of the finals that, that year, they beat Brisbane 34-6. There you go. So they touched up two teams that no one would have expected them to beat, in particular the Dragons were red hot for a few years there and got rolled by the Tigers, and the year after they got rolled by Melbourne. Yeah, they, then, they then beat St. George Illawarra 20-12. They missed... That's the first week. Um, they were the first qualifying final, I believe. They were the Friday night game. I actually went to that game. They beat the Cowboys fifty to six. Yeah, they pummeled them week one. That was fifty to six, and they've gone in and, and hammered the Broncos thirty four six. Beat the Dragons, who were the favourites, hot pots to win it. Them and Parramatta, uh, they beat the Dragons twenty to twelve. Parramatta choked against the Cowboys, and then they they did a number on the the Cowboys in the grand final, thirty to sixteen. Mm. Good side, but uh, yeah, some of those halves we mentioned. Prince, Stacey Jones, Brandy Alfred Sticky, I've watched after the fact. Some of those old games are all very, very good. Got to acknowledge Cooper Cronk, who just retired. Uh, outstanding career. Obviously more of a system halfback, but he had success everywhere he went. I think Kamali, Orford, like we talked about. you got Joey, obviously, we picked there. Probably one because we saw a lot of him, but I think, again, he probably doesn't get the credit. Craig Gow was a good footballer. Yeah, good player. Saw a lot, obviously, being here. Locals. Uh, cost himself some rep jerseys, some, some off-field stuff, but... He could definitely play. Yep. But Andrew Johns, like we said, I think the biggest thing anytime anyone wants to have an argument about him or Thurston or him or anyone, there wasn't a weakness. Uh, he was the best goal kicker. He invented 
a couple of his own kicks. He was, as far as halves go, the best defender I've ever seen as far as halves are concerned. He could just absolutely dominate a game, game manage, run, ball playing, short, long. Um, yeah, exceptional footballer. And the crazier part is we know the circumstances under which he had this awesome career, which take out a few injuries as well, the neck, couple of knees. I think he missed three or four seasons. Take that out in any of the extenuating circumstances. It'd be crazy to think what else he could have achieved. Yeah. But, uh, what do you want to go to the next slam dunk, Hooker? Yeah, we can just go that one because it's not even an yeah, argument. Hooker. Cameron, Cameron Smith. Smith, easy. Same conversation as John's. You look at the players that uh, you just dismiss when compared to him. Danny Badira is probably the most notable. Uh, Robbie Farrow, that, that type of player. Jake Friend. Um, Steve Walters before them. Uh, the guys in the 90s. But Cameron Smith, slam dunk. Greatest hooker of all time by the length of the straight. Yep. I don't have any argument. And again, trying to think of another... Nation or a hooker that was dominant for a little bit. I suppose Isaac Luke for a few years was pretty good, but never again comparing skill set, oh, consistency. Well, it was only Steve Walters and Danny Medeiros were the head, head and shoulders above everyone else during their period. But you know, Smith taking the baton and yeah. just going to a whole new level. People spoke highly of Ben Elias, but I didn't see much of him. I don't have a, yeah, a clue. Well, he, was, he was a good player. Fantastic player. Cameron Smith, again, when we talk about what he can and can't do, he jumps out, plays first, second receiver. Best kicking game you're going to see for a hooker. Long, short, ruck manipulation. He plays the game at his own tempo. He's he's in complete control. Elias was really the first of, I guess, the traditional hooker. Yeah, he's probably one of the first that had that ball playing ability. and So he sort of, I guess you change the position a little bit, but you've only got to watch, like... Majority of people listening probably watched the the recall of the '89 Grand Final. Like Elias had had an unbelievable game in a losing team. Mm. Um, Keep that field goal. And my principal at school was at that game. And he, he always talks about the '89 Grand Final when Benny Elias attempted that field goal, and he said that the crowd just went silent. And he he'll never forget the sound of the ball hitting the crossbar. And I think the crossbars back then were sort of like plank; they were rectangular not rounded like some of the crossbars are now. So who knows if the crossbar was rounded, whether it would skim, skim over. Don't know. But um, Tigers fans, that's just an absolute nightmare for, I guess, Balmain fans uh, who, who, you know, would have just loved nothing more than to see the Tigers win that game. And uh, But Benny Elisha, he was just pivotal in, the, in that team. Yeah. 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 I mean, you look at Smith, like most games all time, for Queensland, Australia. He's won however many premierships. He never, ever, ever gets injured. He never, ever, ever comes off the field. Uh, and we just expect it from him. We, we don't give him any plaudits for it because he's just done it for so long, we expect it. Fantastic leader, has never been in, in trouble off the field. Um, I don't know what more you can say. Yeah, well, he's had probably, plenty. Probably the best, the best wrestler in a wrestling period. And he's not definitely not the most physical player or strongest player but he's the I think he's the best wrestler in the game like you see him get in some shit positions and he just works out a way to wrestle his way out of it um, I think unbelievable the biggest credit I'm going to give to him he's had that much mud and hate slung at him that he just doesn't seem to care why should he care he it, just it depends, what, it depends who you're listening to I now any criticism of him is only jealousy um, or just tall poppy syndrome. He's a fantastic player. Mm. He's been nothing 
done nothing but good things for the game. Right. Apart from obviously his, uh, his, his one moment was the Sam Friday incident ah. where he missed the grand final and that sort of opened the tin of worms about wrestling and that was his, that was the moment where I thought he, he, he copped probably fairly a fair bit of criticism because it was it was an ugly incident. But outside of that, he's done nothing wrong and, and that was only a mistake on the field. Yeah, it's it, just, it looked a lot uglier than what it was but, you know, and he got roasted. But, and look, I think he got roasted rightfully for the on-field action, uh, action and incident, but um, that's that's the only time I can ever remember thinking, like Cameron, you've cocked up there. Yeah. Otherwise, I can't remember a time where I thought, like, you stuffed that up, or you've done the wrong thing, or you stepped out of line, Peter. Mm. Um, yeah, I, just almost a flawless career. Yeah, and again, probably didn't see as and much. If we fast track Johns, right? If we fast track Johns into immortality, surely we do it for Smiths. Well, how many more records or boundaries could you break? He's there's, he smashed everything. I'm surprised I haven't done a first. Uh, yeah, but I think I didn't see as much, like I said, of Elias and Walters. I've seen enough to know they're both very good players. Badiris Farah, if you're going to argue who was number two, I'd say Farah was probably a little bit more creative. But I, I really, really uh, Badiris far better football yeah, than Farah. I was just about to get to that point. Badiris for me though, just he was a gun in a particular rep level. I know Farah had some big games, but I think for New South Wales especially, Danny Badiris was an absolute gun. <laughs> All right, front rows, who you got? I've got um, Adrian Morley, who was just, I think he changed the, mo- the modern-day prop. Like, he, he went out of that era of, uh, I guess, your Webke and your Lazarus-type player, who were great players, don't get me wrong, but they probably weren't as aggressive um, and as physical and as fast as Adrian Morley. Like, Morley played a lot of back row. But I think he played his best football for the Roosters when he was in the front row. I can remember being in a game, I think it was a 2002 final series, uh, or might have been 2003, it doesn't matter. It was during that run that the Roosters had, and the Roosters kicked off, Chris Beatty got the ball, and Morley flew down there and knocked him out first first tackle of the game. Uh, we, all, we can all remember the Robbie Kearns incident, which was where it went wrong. Um, but, you know, where he hits Jason King, where he hits Steve Mattai, uh, where he hits Alan Goodenbill, where he hits um, uh, Richard Villasanti in the 2002 Grand Final. He was an enforcer, and I, I just truly believe he's the most intimidating and aggressive front rower that I've ever seen play the game. Uh, I can remember Spud and Chiefs, um, and look, they were aggressive. I don't think they were as polished as Morley. Morley was fast. His, his carry, I think, was far better than Carolyn. Um, and Harrigan he's just um, unbelievable um, and, and look all respect to Glenn Lazarus but I always watched Glenn Lazarus and thought not, not that he was slow I probably saw back end Glenn Lazarus but I just think the modern day prop um, is far more damaging on both sides of the ball than what those those 90s props I guess were I think Morley would have just tore shreds off the majority of the guys in the 80s and 90s uh, because he had that crazy streak in him and the ability to get physical but he also had speed um, and yeah just slam dunk for me um, and then the other other guy was Petro Simonisiva he um, probably watching him at Penrith it wasn't until he came to Penrith and been able to watch him live um, and also I was at the club that I was just starting at the Panthers and he was the captain um, and he 
he would come to Harold Matthews sessions, he would come to development sessions, he'd be in the gym when the boys were lifting weights. He was an absolute role model off the field. He's, he's the best um, player I've ever seen be face-to-face and hands-on with younger players um, ever. And I've been around NRL clubs now for uh, 12 years, so that's probably the biggest rap. And, and on the field, again, he was um, probably a li- little bit more straight up and down than Adrian Morley, but he was so physical and tough. Um, and, you know, he had that famous hip turn where he'd sort of get, get to the line and turn his shoulder, and I don't know how many blokes I saw him knock out um, with that turn and, and almost a shoulder charge with the ball, but uh, he was, again, a part of those fantastic Queensland sides, uh, just a brilliant, brilliant player for the Broncos um, and, and the Panthers. Well, I've got Sivan Seaver as well, but uh, I went the other way. Uh, to me, Shane Webke was Mr. Consistency, great carry, super aggressive, played through injury, had no regard for his body, and if you're going to have two guys bookend a team, and I have no doubts as to why the Broncos were so dominant, it was because of Petra and Webke. Yeah, look, I think Morley would eat Webke for breakfast. That's okay. Yeah, well, I disagree with you. I think Webke yeah. would, Morley would spend more time suspended than he would eating uh, Webke for breakfast. Go on, go, go on Google Shane Webke versus Monty Beatham. I've go seen the fight. No, for, for, the, for the fans, go and Google that. Yeah, I'm not talking about fighting, I'm talking about football. Yeah. <laughs> and again... Well, Morley's got him covered in both regards. Up until 06 and just watching the whole way through, he just carried like a bastard. He played with that broken arm in that final series. Petro, very similar, just ever consistent. If you're going to roll off the back of two guys, uh, there's a good reason they were dominant for such a long period of time. They were both great. Yeah, look, all jokes aside, Cam Webke, unbelievable. Unbelievable play. Again, you mentioned a couple of the older ones. Didn't see as much of them, but, you know, you can look at your Lazaruses and people spoke of Harrigan. I saw bits and pieces of him and Carroll and Ian Roberts punched the piss out of a few blokes, but more modern day. I had Morley written down. I love the way he played. I love Jared. More modern day. Uh, Jesse Bromwich, obviously a favourite of mine from Melbourne. You talk about that modern yeah, day Matt prop. Scott. Uh, Matt Scott I've got here as well. Yeah. Uh, Steve Price is one that I thought was an absolute gun in particular the Queensland time tremendously underrated and the back end of his time at the Warriors as far as leadership and he just carried late feet good offload and the charge down king the king of the charge down oh yeah he yeah he broke a few legs don't worry about that Mm. old Stevie Price there's a few guys he would have been offside at a fair few of those as well well not square at mark but that sort of stuff just got let go back then Matt, what I'm going to bring up, who played multiple positions, but the back end again, uh, more so the stop. That was the one. Um, he, he played his last two or three years getting needled and drinking carver with constant rib cartilage tears. He started on the wing, played in the centres, back row, front row. Ruben Wiki was just a tough prick. Um, yeah, there's a few other names there, more modern. I think Papali's heading that right way. I know now he's playing lock, he's played prop, he's played back row. To me, he's a middle. Um, he's that modern-day guy again. Haas is definitely going to head in that direction. Scott was basically, to me, a more mobile version of Webkey. just carried, got quick rucks, played on. Uh, and then for probably a lesser spell, two guys that I really enjoyed watching for the two or three years with the Bulldogs were dominant were Mark O'Mealy and Willie Mason, but obviously they both tailed off and... Willie obviously continued to play for a long time but probably never reached the heights you would have hoped. Marco Neely was good for a few years there and played some rep football, but again, um, probably didn't evolve for the way the game changed. But, um, yeah, I think for me, Webkey, Petro, 
it wasn't really much argument. I, I've had a few other guys in there that we give mentions to just then, but I love watching both those guys play. Yeah. What about your back row? Uh, back row, I've got Brad Clyde. I think he's the best and hardworking, uh, most hardworking back row I've ever seen in the game. He, um, you know, probably modelled a lot of how I played on what Brad Clyde did. He was always the first back to take a carry, um, worked hard, ran good lines, didn't really talk a lot on the field, just got his job done. Um, and I think he's just one of the most underrated players. I know he's, I know he gets a lot of credit, but I think he's, he's definitely underrated in comparison to some other uh, players throughout the years who got a lot of plaudits, maybe because they're a little bit more outspoken and bubbly off the field and had a little bit more personality. But even when you hear Clyde interviewed now, he's an intellect. Um, he's gone away. He's got a fantastic career away now as a professional post-career. Um, and the other one, I've gone totally the opposite. Just an absolute madman, Gordon Tallis. Like, when you talk about, um, you know, Morley and Meninga, uh, I remember Tallis was a player that, as a New South Wales fan, uh, we feared him. He was just nuts, absolutely crazy. And he was, he was someone who, as a Blues fan, we just hated Gordon Tallis. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Because he, he could just single-handedly tear a game apart. He was aggressive. Um, you know, you think about that time where he grabbed Brett Hodgson and basically helicoptered him over the sideline. Um, you know, he flipped the bird to crowds in Sydney during Origin games. He got sent off. He was just crazy. Um, I think he was just... He was like MG, but on steroids, really. Um, he just... The most aggressive ball-running back row I reckon I've ever seen, Gordy. Um, and, yeah, as I said, he'd sort of go from playing for Queensland and you hated him, and he, once you put that Australian jersey on, you're like, oh, how good. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it, Gordon Tallis and Brad Clyde might Yeah, well, I had Clyde originally in my back row, but like I said, uh, even though he retired in 2000, most of the good football, the best football I saw was after the fact, watching back old games. Uh, and to your point, underappreciated, I think probably the best thing is the historians of the game or the people in the game. When I looked, when I was researching a little bit for this, the Rugby League's 100 Greatest Players of the Decade back in 2008, he was the highest ranked as far as modern players are concerned. He was 18th in the 100. Right, yeah. So I don't think he's underappreciated in the league circles. Uh, as far as guys probably 80s, 90s onwards, he, he was the highest ranked one up there. So I think that's a real rap or credit well, to him. I didn't, I didn't know that. I, I just, that was more a gut feel for me. Mm. But I, I just feel as though sometimes he gets left out of discussions when we're talking about the greatest back rows of all time. Yeah, it would have been an easy pick for me. But again, like I said, uh, that's one I took out. Given I saw him more after the fact, my first pick, same as you, Gordon Tallis. Again, he didn't play much longer into that time, but how could you not remember Gordy? Gordy was an absolute psychopath, and more 
to the point of what you said, taking um, from certain players. I, I, I just love watching aggressive guys, not not to the level of trying to get penalised in him, but as far as I'm concerned, if you're going to run the football on an edge, you run violently. Um, he defines that. He was violent in everything he did. People avoided him in defence for a good reason, for the exact same reason. But as far as damaging ball runners or those modern day kind of guys that were big, mobile, with a little bit of footwork, he probably didn't have a pass or as much skill. Um, but there was not many more people, I think, as a half you wouldn't want to see running at you. And the other thing is when the old uh, pokey reels would roll in the eyes and he punched the piss out of someone like Ben Ross or anyone just <laughs> when you were still allowed to to prove a point. Um, he was nuts. He was clearly nuts. The other one, uh, I got a couple of guys on my bench that I didn't give a start to, but this bloke's career, when you want to talk about underrated, again, he didn't play all his football here, but it wasn't until I kind of went through some names that I kind of realised how much I love and appreciate this bloke. I picked Luke Lewis's mother back row. Yeah. I just think Luke Lewis, you know, to go from, you know, I think it was 01 or 02 from the wing to play reps and centres into playing at 5'8 and in the halves and finish your career playing at back row and lock 300-plus games, two premierships, you win, you know, Clive Churchill, was he probably, you know, second or third best compared to, say, Fafita in that grand final? Sure, but I'll tell you what, the back end of his career, those last six or seven years in the back row, he is the prototype of what you look for now. Generally, a guy that played centres who's skillful enough to have a pass, good footwork, run consistent lines, um, just, you know, Mr. Reliability, massively underrated in my opinion. And again, for New South Wales and Australia at the back end, He's the first guy you pick, probably not to start in the back row, but we always used to pick him as our 14 because he could do whatever job you needed him to. Um, I, I could have looked at, you know, a few guys, you know, your Sonny Bills, your Burgesses, all these kind of guys. Sonny Bill probably had a bigger effect as far as the way that position was played. Um, you know, Boyd Cordaway, Graham are two modern guys, but I just, I really, really reckon that Luke Lewis is a bit underappreciated as a footballer, um, and I picked him in my back row. <laughs> Yep. All right, your lock. Uh, my favourite player of all time, Brad Freddie Fittler. Uh, just a gun, superstar. Played thirteen, played six, played centres, um, and yeah, just unreal, unreal. Uh, early doors at the Panthers. You know, a lot of people get um, uh, you know nostalgic when they think about the Scott Sattler tackle on uh, Todd Byrne. Go and have a look at the tackle that Freddie makes on Mel Meninga in the 91 grand final, running away, just chops the big fella, greatest centre of all time in the clear. Um, he had a great career as a centre, uh, then transitioned into the, the lock position uh, during that middle part of his career and then finished at 5'8", uh, won multiple Origin Series, uh, international. Um, he'll go down as one of the greatest of all time. Yep. Won't argue with that. I've seen, you know, more so the back end origin and the five eight performances. I haven't seen as much as Freddie playing lock and centre, but I've seen some of the old games. Um, There's been no no better or no more damaging ball runner I think since in the, in the halves position probably than than Benji Marshall, yeah. who could who could both ball play and then run, you know, like Freddie used to run uh, with the step. Uh, I guess Marshall's I guess the modern day version. Um, but you know Freddie was doing it at the back end of his career I don't think Marshall's really a threat running the ball as much as what he is with ball playing now at the back end of, of his career so uh, 
Yeah. I think Freddie also, though, like you said, he had the ability to play lock. He was a bit bigger. He could get between defenders with size and speed, whereas Benji's more relied on elusiveness and his footwork more so than physicality. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking about, tell me tell me who off the top of your head comes to mind. Like, Lockyer was a fantastic ball runner in the 5'8 position. But who, who would you really think, okay, his main strength is his ball running and his step in the 5'8 position? You know, a lot of guys now don't really have that element or, or they're just a standalone ball runner. They don't have that ability to, to both pass and run. No, like uh, you said. And we talk about that a lot, don't we, even when we're picking teams. You know, like a lot of kids now, when, you, when you're going through and you're trying to pick how a mad SG ball or whatever level, whether it's 20s, you know, I remember... Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the 20s example when we had Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary. Like, you've got Jerome, who's a very strong ball runner, and you've got Nathan, who's traditionally, and particularly back then, a very good passer and a very good kicker, and you pair them together. Um, it's just very rare that you find someone who is so dominant running the ball uh, and also passing the ball. Well, again, like you said, I look at, say, Munster now for Melbourne. So dominant as far as his ball running is concerned, but his ball playing at this point in time still leaves a little bit to be designed. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And then you look at someone like Kronk, and he's got all the other stuff, but his ball carry probably isn't as strong. Mind you, Kronk's support play was just unbelievable. And that's more like I look at a Maloney. I think he tried hard to be a ball runner and he hit holes, but he more picked up a lot of his points either hitting holes off other people rather than his own running game or support playing also he's the other one that ran a fair bit but yeah not exactly one out wide of the ruck and able to burst back through John's had the ability to do so as well with a bit of footwork um, yeah. but again he was a half not a 5'8 and he ticked all the boxes so um, yeah Freddie very good player uh, my one again this is just another personal favourite a lot of people may disagree or may have not seen enough of him but again this is why it's our 17s and just blokes we love Ben Kennedy. I fucking loved Ben Kennedy. We talk about, again, I'm a little bit loosey-goosey in the head when I play sports and you get a bit talk about emotional players or guys that just have a bit of fucking nuts about them. Uh, BK, to me, is one of those guys. He's a leader with his actions. He's a leader with his words. He just looks mad as a cut snake. And more particularly, again, those formative years in high school, people that mould how you want to play or when you watch really, really closely. Like, I dislike Manly with an absolute passion being a Melbourne fan, but watching Ben Kennedy in particular those last two years, I think he laid the foundation for what was to follow for Des Hazard and that team. Watching him play for New South well, they, Wales. They, say that. they openly say that. They openly admit that, that well, Ben Kennedy laid the foundation. I'm glad they do because he was a guy. He, he built that culture. I, I remember um, my good mate, uh, Blakey Hanlon, was it, Manly, in, I think he went there in 05, 06, and played Jersey Fleet there, and that was when Ben Kennedy was there. Yeah, that was his last and two years. He, um, you know, things that Blake used to say about Ben Kennedy, and look, Blake was a very hard trainer, so all the stuff that Des was doing and, um, you know, that BK was sort of trying to bring through there in terms of work ethic, it, it didn't worry um, Blakey, but, uh, you know, he, the things that he, he'd say about Ben Kennedy, just unbelievable. Mm. Unbelievable, and and you know he was the role model for all those players that went on to win those premierships. You know when you talk about your Watmows and your, um, uh, your your Stewart brothers and and the like, the Matt Eyes, like we spoke about before, they were all Manly Juniors or guys coming through during that period. Well, um, I talk about again, like wanting a violent ball runner or a damaging ball runner. Ben Kennedy, good lines, good feet. Good bump, could offload, was great for New South Wales and Australia. But 
just super aggressive in everything he did, high emotion, high energy. Um, just he was always up for it. He started very early too, which a lot of people don't know, at Canberra. He started at Canberra 96, had that good period obviously with Newcastle, then finished up with Manly. But I think BK more particularly on those rep games or any big game, like the 0-1 grand final, I thought he was the man of the match. Yeah, he's unbelievable. But Ben Kennedy uh, was my lock. We're again talking about some back rows and locks that we could mention. Um, you know, locks, I think Corey Parker, back end in particular, was absolutely outstanding. Dallas Johnson was a real favourite of mine at Melbourne. Undersized, underrated. Alan Tung's another one of those guys I think doesn't get enough. Uh, you've got Gallon, who is obviously just a weapon, particularly at reps. Greg Bird, uh, probably club-wise, I wasn't a big fan, but for New South Wales, always played well. And then you've got some guys, probably a bit older, but less rated. I thought Sean Timmons was a very good player. Rickardson played a lot of games. Nick Al for his time at Melbourne. Jim Dimmick was very skillful. Jason Smith. Uh, Tony Carroll, massively. Uh, a guy that you just didn't want to run at. And one that I liked who was very old school. And I've only seen a couple of games again because he wasn't really my vintage. Nick Kosef. Nick Kosef was unbelievable. Good footballer. Unbelievable. Uh, he just got, he got shot down and cruel with knee injuries. His knees went. He, I think he had double ACLs. Both knees and yeah. uh, back then the surgeries were nowhere near what they are now. That was game over. Uh, and it was just yeah, it was game over for him. He was um, he he would have had some sort of career. Like it just would have been unbelievable. Mm. And back rowers we didn't really mention of, but there's been plenty of good ones. You've had Andrew Ryan. I loved Ryan Hoffman. We had Hindmarsh and Fitzgibbon who were. You know, the, the back row before what we've turned into now, which is the more complete package, though, those two grinders, Fitzgibbon and Highmarsh, for so long. Craig Fitzgibbon and goal kicker. Yeah. Unbelievable. I just used to play 80, 80 minutes consistently. Um, it, you know, he's sliding to lock every now and then as well. Uh, he was a very underrated player, Craig Fitzgibbon. Beaver Menzies could find the try line, obviously. Massive career. Uh, Semi Thiday, Gillette. He's got the most, most tries ever for a fork. Yeah. Matty Gillette, uh, a bit of a grinder. I, I still think Locke was a better position. Thiday obviously played plenty of rep football, lots of success. So I loved Luke O'Donnell. He was nuts. Anthony to Frankie, underrated, I think, after the Titans, but played some rep football at the back end there. Um, yeah, he was, he's one of my favourite all-time Titans. Yeah. What now? Why I didn't like Manly, I've got to appreciate his ability. And Glenn Stewart, as far as ball playing is concerned, he didn't score a lot of tries, but I tell you what, he set some up for Manly. Oh, yeah. Bo Scott was a hard man. And then today you've got Frizzell and a couple other guys, Corden, away Graham, who I absolutely love, Semi Burgess, etc. Um, but, yeah, there's some locks and some back rows to appreciate. But the bench, open slatter, whoever you want. Can you go, um, just on uh, when you're talking about... I had a brain fart. Sorry, Gordon Tallis. Um, go and have a look at... Like, a few mates and I... This morning at school, I was sort of going through this team with with the boys, and you know I've got a lot. Of, I work with a lot of older guys, so they were sort of talking about the 80s and, and the early 90s. And um, one of the boys mentioned the World Club Challenge. Gordon Tallis gets in a blue with Terry O'Connor, oh, and I, I vaguely remember it. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get on and Google it. Go, go do yourselves a favour and go and have a look at Gordon Tallis first Terry O'Connor. World Club Challenge, Brisbane, and I think they end up hammering Wigan. Um, and it just Gordy, he's just an absolute madman, you know. And you even think about the Ben Ross incident. Like I was at Penrith that day when he just unleashed on Ben Ross. 
Um, but yeah, sorry. But sorry to sorry to backtrack to Gordy, but it was just I had it written down here, and we were having a laugh today at school about it. Um, but just some of the craziness, just some of the things that you know you, you sort of look back and go. I was at Penrith Stadium the day that Gordy just punched that living crap out of Ben Ross, and you know the things that you can we can all reminisce on and say, oh yeah, I was there that day. And do you remember this? Um, the great things about sport, they're, they're the things that we can we probably take for granted. And now we're looking back on when we don't have sport in, in this current period and current climate. Do you, you come to appreciate those times? Yeah, well, I think again, just different time but probably the better part we've heard now at that story he had his neck surgery he thought that people were losing respect for him so he picked out Ben Ross and punched the shit out of him basically to let people know <laughs> yeah I think he said that um, he told Wayne, Wayne said to him look Wayne said we'll do it early yeah if you're going to get suspended do it now <laughs> yeah craziness excellent alright well we've got our starting 13s the bench as I said open slammer uh, who's the first player on your bench Darren Lockyer Yep. For reasons as discussed before, uh, I, I couldn't leave him out of my 17, no way in the world. As you said, a winner, an absolute winner, absolute superstar, a gentleman, uh, a Queenslander, that dominant period, I just couldn't hate him. Couldn't couldn't hate him. Uh, he was so good for Australia. Think about that try that he scored. I think it was in the 2006 Tri-Nations. Mate. He was the, the only person to ever captain a premiership winning team a origin winning team and a uh, international series winning team and he did one, two, three all in the same year mm. I think he might have also won the golden boot that year Yep. Uh, just a, an unbelievable season uh, one of the greatest seasons of all time the, 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 you can make an argument that that was the greatest individual season of all time um, and just even now he's just a gentleman off the field he um, you hear about you hear about the crazy like he's got Darren um, and then Daryl Lockyer is his, is his alter ego when he when he gets a bit loosey goosey. You'd like to be in a pub when <laughs> um, to see the loose Darren Lockyer. That'd be that'd be something to see. But uh, I just could not leave him out of my out of my seventeen. It's just one of the best players I've ever seen. Um, and again, he just did it in two positions. I don't think people appreciate how hard it is to make great in one position. Yeah, let alone win a golden boot. And in the yeah, in, in the discussion of being the greatest or you know or one of the best in both positions is just unbelievable. And a genuine golden boot before this new weird version where it goes off no, just international. The, the version now is horseshit. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Well, I had similar to you. Again, we didn't start them both at six, and we argued about it. But I couldn't leave Jonathan Thurston out, so he's my first bench player, um, ultimate competitor. Obviously, at that time at the Bulldogs, went to the Cowboys. There's a few years there where they, you know, they missed their opportunities. And I will say one thing: though, a lot of people say he carried that team. I don't think you could say he had a bad side. I think they had a pretty fair side the first few times they had some opportunities, and they. No, yeah. no, 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 no. But I, I do think the period there probably, like the the five side, were were okay. Luke O'Donnell, um, Payne, but, that was a pretty good side. It wasn't terrible. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's one thing. Guys, you can't really say it's a bad football he, I think the, the, biggest, the biggest thing that I could say about Jonathan Thurston is that they, they sort of, uh, the Cowboys I'm talking about now, had that reputation similar to what the Titans do now. 
in that they'd never really made the finals. I think they might have made that was the second or the third time they made the finals when they won the comp. Yeah, he made a difference, uh, no doubt. And, and he turned them into a winning club. Yeah. And the Titans, a team like the Titans, are waiting for their Jonathan Thurston. That's what they're waiting for. Someone that can just transform that place into a winning factory. And that's what Thurston did. It was it was shocking if the Cowboys didn't make the finals. Mm. And that was the new norm for an organisation that just struggled to make the finals prior to him arriving. Yeah, I'm not take, trying to take away from him at all because he was an absolute gun. No, but I, I, that, that's the best thing, or the, one, of the, one of the best things that you can say about his career. I think they he did. He turned that club into, from a losing club into a winning club. I also just trying to give plaudits to the fact that I think Aaron Payne, he had a very good combination yeah, with him. him. Matty yeah, Bowen, Luke O'Donnell, Matt Scott came in. He had Singh, Ty Williams. Like, they had a pretty good side for a period of time there. So, And then obviously... Yeah. In their juniors, they ramped up there. They found players later on. You got your Morgans, your Tamalolos that came in. So I think, for the most part, uh, they rolled in some pretty good players. But plain and simple, he's a winner. I'll tell you a player going back to Locke, who we swear about, um, and thinking of Cowboys, Glenn Morris. He played at Parramatta, Bradford Bulls. Yep. Played, play. Started off at the Tigers, I think, from memory, Balmain. He was a good player. Hmm. So, yeah, first and similar to Lockie thing, just the ultimate competitor. Uh, he was a winner in all levels, dominated for Queensland, nightmare in origin, gun for Australia, uh, all around, massive career. And uh, the the rest of our bench, I'm pretty sure, was unanimous, and these are more just modern times, I guess, and what we've watched, I'm pretty sure, from what you sent through originally, unless it's changed. My second bench player is Jason Tamalolo. Yep, I've got Tamalolo. I'm pretty sure you also had Sam Burgess and Sonny Bill. No, I've got Sonny Bill. All right. Um, and I've got Steve Menzies. All right, fair enough. I um, I had Sam Burgess there and Menzies, and I was sort of tossing up. I think when you compare careers, Steve Menzies will go down as the greatest try-scoring uh, forward of all time. He played through, I think, three different periods. Uh, he played through, that I guess, that 90s period, the modernisation period, and then at the back end he, he was into that professional period um, and was relevant in all of them. He then went over to England. I, I think Menzies ended up playing some like 400, 500 games. Like we talk about Smith, uh, Menzies is probably the only one that could even look at the same longevity professionally. Smith's going to do it all in the NRL, but Menzies went over and played, I think, three or four more years. He played. Uh, Catalan uh, and one other club. He, he played another 128 games. He went to Bradford first and Jesus. then he went to Catalan. Yeah, that's unbelievable. So he played 477 games between the NRL and the Super League. Plus, you add in his rep games, he played 20 Origins, 13 for Australia. That's 500-plus games. Yeah, and when compared to Burgess, look, I know Burgess probably had better periods in terms of overall performance. He was probably better than Menzies ever was in short periods. But, again, I just could not justify putting Sam Burgess ahead of Steve Menzies. Um, that may shock some Manly fans out there. But uh, <laughs> Steve, Steve Menzies, unbelievable. Uh, one of the, one of the, yeah, greatest players of all time. Unbelievable. Well, I had Jason Tamalolo, as I said, for reasons I think we all know. The bloke's a freak. Oh, clear, clear, yeah. Um, and again, we're talking in my lifetime. He's one, like you said about Hayne and that, that I've played against. He was four years younger. He was bigger than us all. It's not even the physical side of things. Like, it's one thing to say I'm going to get in front of him, but then he just shifts. Someone that big shouldn't move like that. 
You couldn't get in front of him. He always got between well, defenders. He get dominated in it. I've never seen him really rolled in NRL games. No, so. it takes four blokes to put him on the ground. Yeah. Um, we played a semi-final against them. They had a really good side. Morgan, Parker Walsh, I had six or seven NRL players. Kyle Felt in Canberra. We ended up going to extra time, but he it was the sole reason that they stayed in that game because every time we got ahead... He just came up with another carry, another line break, another offload, um, and he still, again, makes it look like Child's playing the NRL. It's ridiculous. Sonny Bill, again, Sonny mate. Bill, look, I can, remember, I can remember when he came first into grade. Um, look, I remember playing a Harold Matthews game at Belmore uh, in 2002 for the Panthers. We, we went on and won the competition, and I, I can still remember, um, again, my principal, who um, is my boss at the moment, he was a good family friend and he was the manager of um, our club site back then, Penfloratars, good mates with our dad. But long story short, um, Steve had said to me, he said, we're going to hang around. And at that point in time, that was when um, our parents had separated and I was living up in Penrith and you and dad were living uh, with our uncle out in Silverdale. So he was picking me up to and from training, right? So he said to me, look, Brock, we're staying after this game. We're going to watch the SG ball game because... There's a 17-year-old in this game that they just think he's going to be the next big thing. And it was Sonny Bill Williams. And he had a head of hair on him, man, like a massive um, mop of hair, and he just dominated. He was absolutely unbelievable. And that's the first time I ever saw him. Um, that was 02. Fast forward, you know, two years, 18 months, he's playing in an NRL grand final. Um, un- unbelievable. Burst onto the scene. He... You know, he could step, he could pass, he could play centre, he could play back row, he could um, offload. I think he was probably the, the one that we really saw bringing that modern-day offload, the around-the-corner pass, the flick pass out the back, the one-handed carry, uh, the ability just to beat a player one-on-one, and then just the way that he hit. He really, uh, I, I guess, reinvigorated the shoulder charge, didn't he? He just, like, you, you remember that one on Joel Clinton? Uh, where he just absolutely levelled him. Uh, and look, when he when he left the game, he was the best forward in the game. The way he left the game was disgraceful. Yeah. I mean, he was poorly advised. Uh, but again, he, he then returned and led the Roosters uh, to a premiership. And uh, having, having spoken to a, a guy who was a... He worked in Newtown during that season when uh, the Roosters won the competition in 2013 when Trent Robinson first came in. Um, and you know, I'm not going to mention his name, but he, he, he worked at Newtown and worked with the Premier League side or New South Wales Cup side or whatever it was called back then. Um, and he, he just said, like, the stuff that Sonny Bill was doing, how professional he was, how accountable he made the playing group, um, and for someone to be able to go from being the best young player in the game, come on so explosive, to leave in such an absolute shit fight. Uh, to go on there and play for the All Blacks, who are the greatest, uh, well, the most winningest team in sports, uh, I think, ever, if you look at their win percentage. And we all know how crazy the New Zealanders are about their rugby. And to go over there and play, start, legitimately play for the All Blacks, and then to come back into rugby league um, and win a competition and then go back to Union. And, you know, now he's, he's playing for the Wolfpack. Um, you know, you can, he's maligned probably for the way that he's gone about his career, the way he's, the decisions he's made. But in terms of on-field ability, he'll go down as one of the greatest forwards of all time, no doubt. 
And that's plain and simple. He only played just over 100 games, but he won two premierships. And more importantly, if we're looking at just straight up and down attributes of a back row, a lot of guys have bits and pieces, but we're talking about a guy that runs lines, has footwork, short pass, long pass, offload. And I think the more clinical thing to come out of all of it in such a short period of time is the technique and the way he does it. You couldn't do many of the things he does any better. And at, a, at an absolute stretch, and it's not a stretch, you could play him as a bloody 5-8 if you wanted to. He's skillful enough to play in there, ball play, and be a runner. Lock, center, back row, front row, it doesn't fucking matter. You can play him almost anywhere on the field besides hooker, fullback, and uh, I, I dare say he'd play on the wing if you needed him to. You wouldn't do it, but that, that is the skill set of the man. But if you're looking at a back rower and trying to tick every single box of what you want or what you're looking for, he is the absolute stereotype. And flipping to the other guy... Similar time on the other side of the globe was a young guy named Sam Burgess in Bradford who probably has a bit, of, little bit less of the polish, but the size, the mobility, the offload, but the aggressiveness. He had a mix of, say, you know, your Morley and those kind of guys and watching a few of those old pommies and he'd come through the Bradford system where he'd learnt from a couple of hardheads like Terry Newton and he'd seen uh, your Jamie Peacocks and these kind of guys. So he was bred in a hard school and... Um, was his career a little bit patchy and the way he pissed off the rugby union great as well? No, nah, it wasn't exactly the greatest way to leave things, but on his day, uh, his ability and in particular playing that grand final with his busted face and just the way he played his career in general, questionable at the back end as far as, you know, some penalties and some decisions and he just seemed frustrated, but um, a little a little bit less polished than a sunny bill, but again, prop, lock, back row, with his mobility at a stretch, he could have played him in the centres. Um yeah, like I said, doesn't tick as many boxes as Sonny Bill, but on the the aggressive front and the leadership front and the way he played his football, in my time, from, like I said, 98 to present now, looking at guys that you looked at, um, yeah, he was a gun. Yeah. All right, wild card. This is more so, again, not someone who may have been the best at their position. It may be someone from your own personal club or somebody that you just absolutely loved and admired, 18th man. Who would that be? Yep. He um, played 346 NRL games, which may shock some people. Uh, but he, he started his career at South Sydney. They were then removed from the competition. He moved to the Roosters, won a premiership there, then went back to South Sydney for the last two years of his career. Uh, 346 total games. He played for um, eight games for Australia. Uh, sorry, 17 games for Australia. 12 games for New South Wales, 6 games for New South Wales City, 1 Prime Minister's 13 match. Uh, played multiple positions, hooker, halfback, 5-8, fullback, lock. Um, I think about how dominant he was in state of origin. He was just come off the bench and he would change the game. I think he truly was the first pioneer and, and um, you know, Phil Gould's probably going to take a little bit of credit uh, for the way that he was used off the bench. He, he was that first real utility player. You know, um, it, it, I remember that Queensland started picking, you know, they picked Billy Slater and they picked Matt Bowen. That was all in reaction to Craig Wing because Craig Wing was such a dominant force off the bench for New South Wales. Uh, he was such an underrated player in the Roosters run during that uh, 03, 04, 05 era. Um, he then went went on to play 148 games of club rugby in uh, professional rugby in, in Japan, and played 11 games for um, Japan 
in the World Cup. Um, so, and look, you see him now, and he's still fit and articulate enough to to run out and play right no, now. He looks the bloody same. He has no age today. <laughs> I think tremendously underrated player, Craig Wing, and um, yeah, one of one of my uh, one of my favourites. So I just think he again, he was a great role model off the field, um, and just a fantastic player. And when you look at him, not the biggest man in the world, uh, but he he just it didn't worry him. He never shirked the, the tough stuff uh, and he, his running game was just unbelievable and he's so fast out of out of hooker um, or in the halves and he was always direct uh, you know could kick ball play the whole the whole um, I guess holistic view he, he was fantastic who's yours? My wild card I went through a lot to be honest uh, I, I was borderline going for Cronk, and then I was looking at JWH and Jesse Bromwich. There was Steve Price, Wade Graham, Cordner, like Beaver, who you had in. There was a lot of older style players, like Gallon and Parker were so good, but I settled on an old Melbourne favourite. Uh, again, he, he played rep football, but I just underrated, went about his job, no nonsense, and he played let, forever. Let, let, me, let me guess. Let me, let me guess. You already know who it is. Danny Williams. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> 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 the greatest king hit of all time. Oh, the greatest king hit of all time. Wow. Wow. Now, Ryan Hoffman, for me, uh, more a personal pick. He played 300-plus NRL games, 260 or so were at Melbourne. He started there in the early doors, I think, 04, 05, and he finished up, uh, I think, not last season, the season before. Just kept coming back to Melbourne regardless of the situations and all the ups and downs that they'd been through just missed the consistency we talk about back rails again and what you want runs good lines I think he scored in two of the grand finals good defender inside shoulder outside shoulder he was mobile strong good combination for the most part of his career Um, at the back end yeah probably not as mobile you do lose your legs a little bit but he was just a goer he was a really really good player one that I absolutely love for Melbourne Boy, we won't hold that against him. So yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot I looked at, but it was more a personal one. <laughs> yep. All right, coach. I think you know who mine's going to be. Yeah, yours, Craig Bellamy. In my lifetime, um, there's been Bennett. Um, obviously, he's been dominant, and there's Robinson, who's been really dominant recently. But uh, I think for reasons that everybody knows, I'm going Craig. Yeah, I'm going Phil Gould. I um, was lucky enough, obviously, to work at the the Panthers. And have a little bit to do um, with with Gus, but respect his record. Uh, he won a competition in his first year as a coach with the Bulldogs. Uh, went on and won a competition at the Panthers. Then really was one of the pioneers in bringing the Roosters back up uh, to where they where they currently stand. Um, he was the coach. Then Graham Murray took over. Uh, and then Ricky Stewart took over, but uh, and then Gould moved into a football operations uh, manager of football. He was the first to really move into that role. Um, helped Ricky Stewart during that time, 03, oh, sorry, 2003, 04, uh, where they made three consecutive grand finals. He then uh, took over the origin side. They, they went on through a dominant period. Um, any, any, anywhere he tends to pop up and coach, they have success. Uh, and just to be able to share a room on a, on a few occasions for an hour or two and hear him talk about rugby league, um, I think he's the most intelligent and, and um, bright brain in the game. 
Um, and yeah, I've got, I've got him as my coach. I, I could have gone Bellamy. Obviously, I've got to respect the hell out of Bellamy. Wayne Bennett the same, Trent Robinson the same. But I thought if if I'm truly going to be honest, um, yeah, like I, I've probably had more, you know, more to do with with Gould hands on and been able to hear him talk about footy and uh, and then when you look at sort of the impact he's had across um, Origin and uh, both club footy and then you move into administration and, you know, there's talk even now that he could move into that uh, Todd Greenberg's job. So um, the, the impact he's had across multiple positions from an administration, coaching and management perspective, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Phil Gould. Yeah. Well, I think obvious reasons, not only is he coach my side, but I just think there's no one better at club culture, accountability and getting the most out of an individual, you've got people like Tim Glasby who play 20s and then go play cup for a few years, end up playing Origin. There was Brett White, Matt King, Jeff Lima, Brian Norrie, who was going to be a captain coach. All these guys that had played at other clubs, played reserve grade, couldn't get a run. They go to Melbourne, they turn into rep players. Uh, Jeremy Smith was another one of those guys. Sikamanu. There were so many players that have been in and out, and when they go elsewhere, they just don't succeed. Like Todd Lowry had a couple of really good years there as well at Melbourne. Dane Nielsen, who's one that, if you get, gets to play Origin at Melbourne, then just falls off the face of the planet. It's been a constant production line of guys playing rep football and playing to the best of their ability. And when they leave that system, they leave his coaching, they're not the same. And my biggest point to argue is when everyone goes, oh, well, it's easier when you get Smith, uh, Slater and Crump. Well, those guys weren't those players to start with. They were guys that were unwanted by Brisbane and other clubs, ended up at Melbourne as rejects under the tutelage of Craig Bellamy and turned into what they've turned into. He has a big reason as to why those three players turned out to be what they've turned out to be. Probably the only one that was really lobbied or gifted that you could look at and say he had all the natural ability in the world or was going to be what he was going to be was Greg Inglis. Yeah, and the, the, the other coach I, I really thought about um, was Tim Chance. Yeah, I had Chance written down. had that ability, you know, he coached during the 80s, 90s, and 2000s and is even now still coaching or was still coaching over in England until he got got the sack uh, recently I think at the back end of last year he got the sack um, I thought he got another job but now everything's on standby yeah I'm not sure I, I, I don't know but I, I do know he got the punt last year I think it might have been Hull KR he was coaching last year don't quote me on that um, but uh, yeah just his ability you know the Raiders that dominant Raiders period uh, he, he really was the architect of that West Tigers team. Um, you know, he had some involvement at the Cowboys as well. Yeah, he stabilised Penrith, from what all the old heads say, yeah, in the 80s. Yeah, uh, so I think he's a coach that a lot of people forget about. Well, here you go, he does have a job. He was supposed to coach Witness Vikings this year. Was he really? It says here 2020 Witness Vikings, but they didn't play any games, so... Last year was a whole KR last year. Whole KR from twenty seventeen to twenty nineteen. Yeah, last year, and I think Danny McGuire played there, and I remember listening to a podcast um, after he was sacked, and they had Danny McGuire, and I can't think of who the other player was was on. And I was I was really disappointed in the fact that they they sort of threw Sheens under the bus a little bit, um, and and didn't really defend him. And I, I love Danny McGuire, as you know, an old Leeds Rhinos um, player, but. Um, yeah, it's just disappointing to, to hear him talk about Sheens in that light. Um, 
you know, whether, whether or not Sheens is still um, as effective as he, as he once was is debatable. But um, I, I think he's, he deserves the game-wide respect for how long he's been able to coach at the top level. Uh, just an unbelievable performance from Tim Sheens. Yeah. No, I think, again, like you said, covered so many areas, done so much. Wayne Bennett, obviously, we all know what he's done. Uh, such a dominant period there at Brisbane, learnt at Canberra at the start in that great little uh, pool of ex-players who have turned into coaches and himself and learned from Don Furness Sr. Uh, Tim Sheens, like we said, Trent Robinson from 2013 onwards now, how dominant he's been at the Roosters, the minor premierships, the three premierships. Uh, I was trying to think of any other coaches. Like, there's some long-term guys that won or were successful. You know, you got your Brian Smiths who went to multiple grand finals or spanned long periods of time and guys that coached. I think one... Actually, no, I've gone through every idea. I thought I had one, but I don't. So, yeah. <laughs> Easy. That was a good podcast. All right. So, just one more time, mate. What's your 1-17, to 17, your wild card, and your coach? 1-17? to 17? Yeah. Yeah, I've got Billy Slater at fullback. My wingers are Greg Inglis and Jared Hayne. My centers are Melman Inger and Laurie Daly. My 5-8 is Jonathan Thurston. Halfback, Andrew Johns. My props are Adrian Morley and Petro Sivanaceva. My hooker is Cameron Smith. My back rowers are Gordon Tallis and Bradley Clyde. My lock forward is Brad Fittler. My bench in no uh, no positional order or no positional breakdown because we're just picking 1-17. to 17. Yep. Uh, My bench is Darren Lockyer, Sonny Bill Williams, Jason Talmalolo and Steve Menzies. My wild card is Craig Wing and my coach is Phil Gould. Fair enough. My 17, Billy Slater is the fullback. The wings are Jared Hayne and Manu Vatuvai. The centres, Greg Inglis and Justin Hodges. The halves, Darren Lockyer and Andrew Johns. The front row, Shane Webke and Petro Sivanaceva. Hooker, Cameron Smith. The back row is Gordon Tallis, Luke Lewis. And the lock is Ben Kennedy. The bench, Jonathan Thurston, Jason Tamalolo, Sonny Bill Williams, Sam Burgess. And my own personal favourite wildcard, Ryan Hoffman. Coach, Craig Bellamy. On reflection... Uh, I don't. I really don't have much argument for any position. I think the only one I changed last minute was Sheck for Manu, just more because I was cheating again to get Sheck in. He only played one year on the wing. Um, if we're going off guys that played long time or long term in the wing since I've been alive, I think it's okay if they've, if they've played. Um, if they've played that position, yeah, I know. I just thought no, I'd be a little more. To select them. You could have, you could have had Sheck. I was trying to go more on you know a, a full career on the wing, so. If, in all honesty, if you want to ask me from an actual coaching point of view, I probably should have picked Brett Morris. I think he's a lot safer in the modern day of what I've seen, or even a semi-rad Rara in that short stint we've seen. But Manu's best and worst. His best day was as good as anybody's. But obviously, if you're going to pick on consistency, you probably wouldn't pick Manu. <laughs> no. But he was destructive on his best day. So, Absolutely. again, our 17s... Uh, players again necessarily that you just love to watch like it could be a nightmare or it could be an absolute fire show with Manu and I think a few people might be surprised that I had Luke Lewis so high up in my back row stakes but uh, I really do think he's underrated absolutely and again at origin level played model he was probably uh, he moved into that Craig Wing role when Craig Wing retired mm. really and just he moved into that bench position he could play half centre wing back row lock um, he did some fantastic things for the New South Wales side during a tough period. We did probably didn't win as many games as we did when we had wing, but different players around him. Um, yeah. And then you look at where he played at Penrith and then moved to Cronulla and won a comp, 
Uh, won a comp at Penrith on the wing. Uh, fantastic career. Should you start? And again, you know, one of the good guys off the field. Sonny or Sam over him. Again, shorter careers, uh, massive impact in their time. But, yeah, for the 300-plus games and what he did, state-level, country-level, club-level, and as a person, the way he carries himself, just all around. Again, I think going to that point I made, a lot of back rowers now generally tend to be junior centres who are big, mobile. He has the full skill set. He's your ideal back rower. Um, and he's your, your guy you look at now like your way Graham. He obviously had more of the halves background. Louis came through at Penrith playing 5'8 centre fullback, so he did have that kind of background as he physically got bigger, obviously turning into a back rower as the game changed. But, um, yeah, I just when I was sitting there reflecting on some of those guys the other day, I'm like, he just he was a really, really good footballer. He really was. Absolutely. But there you go. There's our best 1-17s of all time. Brock's based more so from 91 onwards, as he was born in 86. Mine, born in 90, but uh, more formative memories came from 97, 98 onwards. So, yeah, some guys I had in there originally that, on reflection, I picked more so from what I've seen after the fact. But, yeah, going back on more sticking in my mind or the games I remember... That's what I've came up with. I think they're both pretty handy size, Boxhead. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it. So um, on the on this week's podcast, we'll pick our best uh, club teams of all time. Yep. And look, send them. Send them, we're going to put a couple of posts up. Send us through yours, whoever you support. Um, send us through your best club team. Um, and look, I've seen some of the ones on Fox, and they're picking players that they would never have seen play. That's my Almost point. Out of, out of respect for. Like the history, like for me, I, I get all that, but it's got to be you got to be able to justify it and talk about, you know, I, well, I saw him play this game, or I saw him, I can remember seeing this, or you know, experiencing that. Uh, I think it's much better to have the team be your team, yeah, what you remember, and you know, I, that's what I like about this concept. And we'll do the same for the the Titans for me, and then the, the Storm for you uh, on on this week's upcoming podcasts um, but yeah no good job yeah and in this regard like you said here that's why I've mentioned you know after the fact I've seen Alfie I've seen all these guys they're all great but from the ones I really remember or have seen that's what we've picked our teams on yeah so there you go this wraps up another one we'll uh, come back Tuesday next week see what the situation is with the game any more news that arises and pick our best ever 1-17 to for our two club sides the Melbourne Storm and the Gold Coast Titans but for now everybody out there Stay safe as always, and box it. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.